Welcome to Why in the World. My name is Ben Shepherd. The Paddy Buckley Round, or the Welsh Classical Round, is one of the toughest running routes in Britain. With some of the UK's most iconic scenery, you have to be at the top of your game to complete it. It's 106 kilometres, 47 summits, and pretty much the same elevation as Mount Everest. Ultra runner, presenter, and all-round good guy, Hugh Brassington, is on Why in the World. Hugh, how are you, man? Oh, we're starting, really? We're starting. <laughs> right, we're going to put my bacon sandwich to the side, then. That is pretty. Mate, um, thank you for inviting me over to Clanberis. We're, um, we're sitting in Clanberis, just in front of the, the gorgeous lake, which you actually just had a, a little dip in. Yeah, shin pad down. You look quite cold. Actually, it's a good way of warming up after a run. Well, I'll, I will admit, it wasn't... It wasn't the best idea. No, thanks. Right, it's, it's good way. To, it really is a good way to end the run. I find it sort of gets rid of all the knackeredness. Yeah. You jump in a lake and it gives you a bit of perspective. Is that a technical term? Is it knackeredness? Yeah, it's now. Is yeah, hundred percent. It? It's a it's a it's a Welsh technical term. <laughs> <laughs> so for people that don't know about you, buddy, like just give me a bit of background of where you were brought up and how you kind of fell in love with running and the fells and the mountains. Well, I'm born right next to them to begin with, but it's, it's one of those things when you're born in a place like this in, in Erery, Snowdonia, you don't really appreciate it. Mm. I, I didn't look beyond the rugby pitch until I was about 21. I was just obsessed with rugby and still am. It was that transition to self for stopping playing rugby, got a bit of an injury looking for something else to do and the mountains were, were there really. So I started doing triathlons and then did that for a few years. Then triathlon, especially the always aim high series up around Erri, they, they always put you off road. The runs are beautiful there. Mm-hmm. And the snowman specifically, that is amazing. You know, ends up on World Shepherd. Mm-hmm. One of the nicest runs you'll ever get, especially at the end of a triathlon. So you're on jelly legs and you want to run down this nasty mountain path and it just opened my eyes to um, the simplicity of fell running. Mm. In that triathlon, it's very kit heavy. It's very um, t- time consuming. It's very hard to train for. You, you, you know, you, you have to sit on a bike in a shed on your own through the winter, trying to turbo train and stuff. It's not fun. It's awful. Speaking from personal experience, it's awful. It makes me ill thinking about it again now. You know, but mountain running, you're out on a mountain in beautiful scenery. All you have to do is raise your head. If you're feeling knackered, you put you get your head up and you're like, what? And there's plenty of fuel there to put on the fire in there, you know? So when you were doing your triathlons then, what sort of distances were you covering doing them? Sprint, sprint, because I, I'd just come from rugby, so I, I, I was like, um, I, was, I was really, 800 metres was my, okay. or less, I thought it was my sort of cup of tea. So I've gradually gone longer and longer. When I was doing triathlons, it was definitely... It was the shortest, and now you're you're pretty long now. You're doing pretty long things. Yeah. When, would you ever consider going back to triathlon and and going longer? Um, if there was a fell run at the end, yes. Okay. What I what I, and a bumpy bike ride. What I what I didn't like about not that I love triathlon. It's an amazing sport. It took me around the world to see amazing places, and you get to wear a helmet shaped like a dildo. You know. You should, What's not to like? <laughs> <laughs> it's good, isn't it? But uh, it does 
cost a lot of time and money, both mm. of those things to train for. It just absorbs your life. And I didn't want to be sort of, it's, it's almost, it's gone very commercial. I didn't like that. I didn't like the, you know, like you can buy time in a triathlon. If you've got a good time trial bike worth 10 grand, you can buy three minutes on a sprint triathlon bike course. That's a lot. That, that's the difference between first place and maybe 10th place. It's about half an hour on an iron. <laughs> half an hour, yeah. It's See, I, I didn't want to buy into that. I'm not game for that. So I, I, I raced all my triathlons on a road bike where I got, like it was um, X demo worth a thousand pounds when I bought it. I put on time trial bars, you know, the, the plug yeah, on the ones. ones. Yeah, and then pulled them off because I hated them. I just didn't get on time trialing. And like, poor guy behind you just getting. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, probably. I should have made it clear not during the race, but you know, yeah, soon after, boom, in the lake. Um, I, I, it's kind of spoiled cycling to me. Do you like time trialing? Yeah, well, I've done I've done a couple of Ironmen myself, and uh, so you must like it. You well, the time trial. I, I really like hearing what you're saying about the the cost thing because you can buy a time. I don't think always fitness is something that is measurable in those sorts of distances. You have to be fit, obviously, but yeah. I don't think the people that are the fittest might not be getting the times they deserve because of kit. Yeah. Because affordability is just Massive. it's just huge. Like I did a race in Copenhagen and you're looking around the bikes, there's probably a thousand bikes there and there's some bikes there, maybe 20, 30 bikes that are like plus 10 grand. That's a house deposit. Ah, uh, yeah. On a bike. It's mind-boggling, isn't it? It's madness. What so, would the wife say? You know, <laughs> that's what goes through my mind. <laughs> what would she say? She would say anything. She'd punch me in the face. <laughs> well, it's Go taken ahead. me... I've just moved house, actually. And it's taken me three months to convince my girlfriend to allow me to have my TT bike, my time trial bike, from the shed now into the house. <laughs> so it, it, I made that transition this weekend, so the time trial bike is now in the house. So I'm, I've it, got that. It's a slippery slope, it'll be in the bedroom next. You know? I did. I have actually just bought a water bike to live in the living room. Oh, here we go, your and girlfriend. She goes, <laughs> she goes, it doesn't really go with the decor, does it? I was like, well, not really, no. Let her paint it. <laughs> no. <laughs> You've got to compromise. That's what this is about. You know. A golden what bike. <laughs> yeah. So the love for the mountains began then following triathlon. I noticed like I was doing better in the off-road okay. triathlons. Like downhill especially. I love a hard downhill. I've got a bit of a... I'm not the, I'm not the slimmest. Like, not that, not that I'm fat in it. But you know, no, like well, you're it, not carrying any weight. No, but, but the legacy of rugby means that I'm not very good at going uphill because I'm carrying too much... Well, back hair for one. I've got a, back, a stone of back hair. Didn't notice that when you took yeah. the top off to jump in the lake. <laughs> it keeps you warm when you jump in lakes, but then it's got a downside as well. So uphill's not so good, but downhill, bloody love it. I just started aiming for races with felons, then skipped the swimming and the cycling and just started aiming for felons, and I just started really enjoying it more and more and more. And the thing, the beautiful thing with felons is if you are competitive, if you're looking at it that way, not many people do. Most people are there just to enjoy it, you know. But if you are, it is one body against another body. And a mind, and your mind as well. It tests your mind, that's the good thing. Because you're out there on a mountain, you've got to navigate. Coverian in Welsh, yeah? You've got to go out there with a map, compass, and find your way from A to B. And it's the fastest line. So it's not always the fastest runner that wins these fell races. In fact, it's frowned upon to run faster than someone to beat them in a fell race. 
but it's all about sneaky lines. If you can run a sneaky line past someone, you can brag about it till the, you know, till the cows come home. But you, you can't really say anything about running faster. That's just that's the stuff. You got to be Not, clever. Yeah, and you got to be fit. Yeah, and they're the two things. Yeah, and that, and and it gives you some, makes you feel sort of, um, you know, like it's good to be able to look after yourself on a mountain. I think and be be confident that you can, and it does that. And you and but you do it by learning. You're out there running with these chiefs. A lot of these old mountain goats that you know, from a from a distance, they look really fit. They look like a twenty-year-old in their prime, and you zoom in, and it looks like a croissant that's been in the oven too long. You know, <laughs> but really, so wiry fit, and they're sixty plus, and they're still beating me up these hills. Yeah. So the knowledge these guys have got, these guys and girls have got, is incredible. And you, you go out there with the posse of these people, and you learn quickly. I remember when I started doing yoga for the first time. This is a very strange story to This is from. a good tangent. I so like it. I, I, well, I do some like hot yoga. So mm. like yoga and a sauna. Bikram. Bikram yeah, yoga. Kind of like that. And it's the hardest thing I've ever done in my entire life. I went in the first class that I was doing and next to me there. She had to be. She had to be pushing 80. Yeah. This lady. And I was like, this is going to be easy if she's in here. It's absolutely fine. I'm there for 90 minutes trying not to defecate myself <laughs> and she's like an elastic band she's just got one like there one like there her arm behind her back and it's exactly the same as people that are at mountains and you're like you've been doing this all your life that's why you're like you are that's why you are a mountain goat or a dried out croissant like but you know exactly what you're doing up there and it's so impressive that's not nice dried out croissant that's what you said that's what you said I did quotes Hugh 2020 (laughs) hey I'm getting there myself now (laughs) dried out croissant (laughs) yeah so when you're up in the mountains where's your head at what you're thinking nothing It's, it's, it's meditation you know every step is like you don't think you you leave all those things that you're worried about in work everything like that at home it disappears and you come back refreshed it's literally for me now it's um it's indispensable for me you know i just love it i don't buy into psychology you know all the mindfulness and stuff Mm. like that but in this tv series i've just done on src we looked at that and i was going in a skeptic i was going in thinking I'm not going to learn anything from these guys but what, what I did learn was that all these lessons that all these things that all this mindfulness this um, uh, meditation and stuff that, that I met a Shaolin monk he was talking about it in, and it's it transcends from one sport to another but mm. it's just in a different form you, you, everyone's got their place they go to get this the, the, the rhythm that gets them into their meditation whatever it is and and I think running must be mine yeah you know and and I went in a proper skeptic and it's, and, and it's changed my mind and these people that I you know that I met about eight eight or nine people doing incredible things all resonating with, with the same sort of message that that sort that sort of it's their safe place almost isn't it their place that they need to go just to just to kind of reset that's what I always find like if I'm stressed or something like that, it's like a reset for me. Yeah. Like just go and spend some time doing something you love. It's kind of just re- well. yeah, yeah. Puts, put, it puts everything in perspective. Like if you can run up a hill and you're feeling fine at the end of it, then you can. Uh, we were chatting about it earlier. You'd probably go home and mark a few papers. You'd be fine. Yeah, you? yeah. Like you'd be all right. And you'd do it quickly. You'd exactly. be more efficient. I find after a run, I my marking 
oh, I ran the nail through it. Yeah, those HND projects that are waiting for me back when I get back to to the Lake District after this. I'm going to smash through them. Hugh's got his head in his hands right now. So. <laughs> no, no. Okay, talk to me about this TV series then, Hugh, because it was um, it was a big deal and there was a lot of amazing content that came out of it that I saw on Instagram and also caught a bit of it on TV as well. Um, where did this idea first get born and how did you get involved with it? Well, it, it starts going back maybe three years to the Dragon's Back Race the Berghaus Dragons Back Race. Um, I was doing this anyway. I was I, I got into it writing for a magazine. I just mentioned it on a drunken night out to the, my mate that I used to play rugby with, who happens to work for a TV company. I was there with Chris Roberts, this is my other friend, who's a, a TV celebrity chef. It's a, weird, it's a weird story, but we're in a pub. Sounds like the start of a joke. I know, yeah. <laughs> we were there. It was, I don't know what time in the, in the morning, but then he, what, he, he says... The celebrity chef, hey, why the hell aren't you filming that? He says to the um, said to my friend who's who who Erdin, who works for the TV company, and he goes, oh yeah, it's a brilliant idea. Next morning, everyone's forgotten everything about it. So, and then we start. I think Hill had a flashback and thinks, oh yeah, I remember you mentioned the races. So then I go in for an official meeting with him and, and have a chat and uh, and because we played rugby together, we kind of know each other well and he, he sort of knew there'd be good content with just sort of silly, the silly shit I get up to, you know, especially in the heat of a race or in the heat of a rugby game. You're, a diff- you're not a different person, you're, I think you're yourself. You, your heightened version of yeah, you, you let go of all your inhibitions and you become your that that thing that is underneath. He saw that be, from years playing rugby. That it maybe there's some good content here, and there was. It, it was a hell of a race. I, I was crawling through the Welsh mountains, almost came dead last. It was my first taste of ultra, and I'd never done anything before, and it was just an absolute mess, a diabolical mess. But I was going so slowly that he could keep up with me the whole way, and I was so um, I don't know semi-drunk on endorphins and too much ibuprofen and just, you know, knackedness. Knackedness, technical term. Yeah, there's a lot of stuff came out and it was good. And then S4C saw that and uh, they liked that. So they commissioned it in a, not an official way, but but this, it led to this one. And this was an official commission and um, it's led to a proper TV series out of it that I spent all summer filming, which is ridiculous for me because I did not set up set out to be on this path, you know, I'm an engineer, I, I, and I always will be, I've, I've said that from the start, I, I lecture project in engineering, that's it, this is a bit of fun, this is mm. what I do to, you know, um, when I'm not jumping into lakes. Um, <laughs> or cutting lines to beat someone else. Yeah, only not by speed. No, 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 not by speed. No, it's not, of not gentlemanly conduct. That. You can actually watch your dragons back documentary still on YouTube can't you it, I've I, seen it on YouTube it's on Vimeo I think it's on Vimeo, it on Vimeo? Yeah. I've seen it somewhere anyway you can watch it somewhere and, yeah, it's uh, called Riding the Dragon or um, uh, in Welsh Argevna Draig no Riding the Dragon sounds dodgy doesn't it it's my mum that pointed this out to me I don't know how she knew I haven't asked her this but it sounds you what's this Riding the Dragon sounds like taking heroin doesn't it <laughs> or, the, or the pornographic version my brother comes in with yeah, we, I was unaware when, and, and I was nothing to do with naming it, so I'm taking none of the blame. So. It is really good though, and that's, I didn't know that was But your... be careful when you type it into Google. Just in case. Riding the dragon. <laughs> A few dodgy things might come up. 
<laughs> Don't do it in work. But, yeah. Private browser. <laughs> I'll do it on someone else's computer in work. Yeah. And then tell your boss. Um, <laughs> the film went on to win at Kendall Mountain Festival and Sheffield Mountain Festival, which is, it got second actually in Shaft behind Dawn Wall, which, which is, is a hell of a yeah, film. You know, Tommy Goldwater's thing, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, it's incredible. And, you know, to get second behind that, it's just sort of, yeah, it's, it's a good place to be. And it's the first Welsh language film to ever um, win a Kendall. That's which amazing. Is, yeah, I'm quite proud of that yeah. fact. If I'm proud of anything, that, that's cool. That is, yeah. You're a proud Welshman, aren't you? I am, very, very, very. In a, in a good way. You know, you know, you can take it too far. I want to share it. I want to share the language because it's a beautiful thing that if we, it, it will disappear. And it's a vessel for so much, so much of the history, the heritage, the culture around, like, Snowdonia, that if it goes, then, you know, it, the world will be a worse place for it. Do you think and it's underrated, Wales, as a country? I don't know. I think if you ask a Welshman, it's, it's definitely, definitely not underrated, <laughs> is it? It's, uh, uh, if you ask anyone else, I, th- I think I've got no, no opinion on that. It's a very nice place, it's Wales. Yeah, it's all right. Um, but so I'm living in the Lake District, so is that. I'm living in Cockermouth now. Try and say that with a straight face. Yeah. <laughs> Riding the dragon in Cockermouth. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> On not being gob, as the locals call it. You know? um, uh, but it's, yeah, that's a beautiful place. There's so many nice places around. It's just, um, I grew up here and I'm very fond of it. And, uh, and, and specifically um, the importance of, of the language and sharing it, getting more people speaking it and getting more people aware of it. Because I think it's the awareness it's much bigger than people realise. Like, people don't... I mean, Cockermouth, when I moved there initially, people didn't understand. They obviously didn't understand what I was speaking on the phone with my mum and my brothers and friends and stuff, but they didn't understand. It was such a big thing. I, 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 I taught A-level physics through Welsh here when I was, when I was still working here. I, you know, it, it's a massive thing, you know. Um, a million people speak it, and it, it's not as small as people think, mm. but every small language, I think, in the world is battling against... YouTube and Americanism. You know, if we lo- if we lose all of that, so like ev- all the kids now, my little niece from New Zealand, she's speaking like someone from Frozen. Mm. You know, one of the kids with an American accent, but she can speak Welsh. My sister's made sure of that. So it's, it's the strangest combination. You know, but yeah, it's a it's a battle in it. Yeah, but if if we lose it, we will lose a lot. So when you we know? were talking about the dragons back then, you mentioned that that was your. F- Did you say it was your first ultra? That's a baptism of fire. Yeah, silly, silly. Looking back, if I'd have known, I would, I've got this thing, I just say yes to any race. You know, I've got into a lot of trouble. But the trouble has led to all these good stories to yeah. write about and stuff, because I did the Coast to Coast in New Zealand. It's the World Championship of Multisport. Same sort of thing. I just was landed there on holiday, not being able to kayak, and signed up to this race, not knowing that there was so much kayaking in it. But it turns out I signed up with four weeks to prepare for this thing, which is an Ironman triathlon and a half. You know, the winners take 12 hours to, to, to win this thing. So God knows how long I was going to take. And in this thing, there's 72 kilometers of Waimakariri Gorge to get through. And there I was, I couldn't kayak for shit. I'd, the only experience with kayaking I had before that four, four weeks in New Zealand was trying to tip my mates out of a canoe in like, you, you know, when you go to those, on those camps in school. And I was really bad at that. Every time I tried to tip them out, I'd end up in the water. So I was just a shit kayaker, basically. You have to pass a grade two white water kayaking in the gorge itself, even okay. to start this race, right? So I, I turn up to, the, to this, my examination, and I kind of 
lied a little bit on my on my entry form. So the, the instructor was expecting someone with a with some sort of qualifications already in kayaking and quite a proficient. You know, it's it's a, people die in that thing. Experienced kayakers die in the wild or carry the gorge every year. Was expecting some sort of you know ability. So I get into my kayak the wrong way around. I, I land, I, I try and get in, my my leg, my, my knees oh. don't, they don't fit. They're like, what's going on here? I look up and I'm looking at the rudder. The, these have rudders. I didn't know kayaks had rudders. I was like, these do because they're racing kayaks and they're really long and thin, which makes them even more unstable. Yeah, I know, I now know, you know, but <laughs> I swiftly got up, turned around and, um, but anyway, yeah. So I'm found out I'm very good at kayaking upside down. Turning around back to front and with a pair of boxes on your head. Yeah. <laughs> you fine. How was New Zealand then? How was that? Oh, amazing country. Absolutely incredible. It's like, it's a what a playground if you're into mm. the outdoors because there's the coast to coast and there's so many races there. A week before the coast to coast, I did this mountain bike race, the um, Pioneer it's called. So like across the, the Southern Alps. So like, oh, incredible. Mm. Absolutely stunning country. It was like from Christchurch to Queenstown, and it was a good way to prepare for the coast to coast, really. Um, mm. But um, and then there's the mil- so many th- tracks they call them the great walks, but they're, they're just really good running routes, mm. really. You know, if, if you, we did um, I did a race on the the Rootburn Classic race, which you they open it open this track up for runners one day a year, and I got in again with, because Amazing. I was writing for this um, magazine, and yeah, bang and. And it just sort of opened my eyes to, you know, all these things you think are tough and really hard. They are hard. They definitely hard. You know, it, but as long as you're ready for that, they're not impossible, you know. It's, I think a lot of it sounds cheesy. as well, isn't it? Isn't a lot it? of it is your head. Yeah. A lot of it is your head. And if you do one, you realise, you, like, you get used to comfortable with being out of your comfort zone. And as soon as you're there, that sounds... Like, I sound like a right gimp saying that that's, that sounds cheesy you know like it's about spouting the same old rubbish and everyone says it but it's true if you if you're if you go around re- doing all these things and you're constantly doing new things like kayaking when you when you have no clue A you'll learn really quickly you know I learned to kayak like that because I had to, I had to because it. yeah or, or I'd have been dead in a really long race if you're out there or if you're up a mountain or you're doing something like I, I think you do enter that sort of fight or flight kind of thing sometimes because you're like I, I gotta get off yeah. this mountain yeah, I yeah. have to finish this race 100%. like I have to do it I know when I did my first Ironman I didn't know if I could do all that I had no idea but I was halfway through the run thought this is it and, but there is no way that I am going home from an abroad country and telling everybody that I didn't finish this race yeah, and I'm I'm going to finish this race. If I have to crawl to the finish line, I will finish this race. Yeah, it's it's very interesting to hear you say that as well. Having done the things that you've done, and, and the, pre- <laughs> the dragon's back being your first ultra is mad. Well, what what have you seen the documentary? I've seen the documentary. I, I, you can kind of tell in part so that maybe yeah. it's your first. Ultra. I don't do it in much style, you know. I look like <laughs> a mountain mess. Yeah, yeah, I get through, uh, but in noise. There's there. a piece in that documentary actually. You're running down. You're running down a road. It's close to the end, I think. And you're running down a road, and the guys are running next to you. I say running. You're kind of shuffle walking shot, down yeah. a road at the end. And you have gone a little bit loopy. Yeah. Like, you've I kind have. of lost it a little bit. There's parts of it. I, I, can't, I didn't remember what I'd said and stuff. You, you know? Mm. You watch it back, and you're like, oh, dear. Said, oh, <laughs> oh, dear. Really? 
it's that that line I like to said that line between decent you know, that, that thing because that's where the fun is is it you, exactly. you don't you don't want to be run, you know if you watch what you say too much you're not honest and if you're not honest then it comes across you know and well, I think not you then yeah yeah exactly and 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 I think the odd swear word here it's all right because it's you being honest you got to watch it obviously if you're in front of the kids and stuff like that but um, um with with TV, that's one thing that I, I said from the start. I'm, I'm not going to hide that sort of stuff. I'm going to keep on... You can edit it out, fair enough, whatever. But um, I want to keep all the nitty-gritty, the nasty stuff. Authenticity. Yeah, Darkness. maybe the things that don't get talked about. Like, um, in, it got edited out of the, the 47 Peaks, the, 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 the Paddy Buckley um, TV series that's on S4C now. But I, I talk about, like, um, pooing on a mountain. Well, you know, and how you should do it because so many. I've been walking in um, Kumitwal, you know, uh, near um, Ockwen. Yeah, it's my probably my favourite place in Beautiful. North Wales. Incredible. incredible. But I walked there um, this Christmas and I saw so much shit on the side of the side of the, of the um, path. It was unreal. It was disgusting. It was, uh, you know, so it kind of. There's a lot of people coming into the outdoors, and that's brilliant. But we need to talk about the things that are not talked about. Things like that. How do you? De- how do? You, how should you? How should you go to the toilet if you have to? When you're out on a mountain, you need to dig a deep, deep hole, and you need to use moss or something like you know, not baby wipes. Baby wipes are killing the earth. You know, moss is great. It's biodegradable and it's cushioned. Cushioned. Oh wow! And it's magnum moss. Also, it's an antiseptic. Romans used to put it on wounds. So if you're you know, what better thing to your use next, on your bum? Your next TV gig should be an advert. <laughs> for moss. In, uh, for moss. <laughs> but Cushioned and antiseptic. <laughs> moss. Fragrance until you use it. Available yeah. at all good retailers now. <laughs> <laughs> but things like that. So I, I, it was a, and there was a lot of dog, dog mess as well on that yeah. plate. You know, That's bad. Yeah. That is bad. That's something that frustrates me so much, actually. And in bags. What's the deal with that? People put it in a bag and, and then it. leave it in the bag on the side mm. I mean it'd be better off leaving it to degrade yeah. not by you know what's going on I think it needs to be talked about more let's talk about the Paddy Buckley then when did that first become a thing that you thought I'd quite like to give that a shot growing up in Snowdonia and getting into the running scene around here um, you start doing fell runs or something you hear about it you hear mm. about like you I heard about the Dragon's Back Race you know this silly myth like it's almost mythical mythical but you know you, you think Oh, what is this thing? Is it, does it exist? Is that even possible? And then I uh, look into it more and then start planning the route. And then, yeah, it's one of those things that's just the seed is sown. Um, as soon as you hear it first time, it's like, wow, could I do that? And then it just came about this year. And the good thing is, we're doing it for with, with the um, who, my friend from the TV company, you know, it it's, forces you to put a date on it and say, I'm doing it now. And there's no getting out of it. That's massive in this. It's one of these things because it's not a set date. You can do it whenever you want. It's going to be the hardest thing you've ever done. So chances are there'll never be a perfect time to give it a go. There'll never be the right support crew. There'll never be the right weather. But having a date that you cannot move like this within reason. We had a couple of days, thankfully, it turns out, here or there to move it, but not much. And because there was so much riding on it, the, the, the livelihoods of these guys, you know, they'd been... It was commissioned from S4C, so these people were working on it, maybe three or four working it for four months. It was their jobs. If I'd have failed or um, if I just decided to go, oh, no, I don't want to do it today, then 
well, it's not an option, is it? Really? Like Did that. you feel under pressure? Yeah, that that thing I said there. That that's the thing that added most unexpected pressure. The other pressures I'm used to. You know, you know what you said about didn't want to. You didn't want to leave that Iron Man and go back to yeah. your friends and say I didn't finish it. I think that gets exaggerated when you have when you're in the public domain. I think you you yeah. you'll be the same because you've got that microphone in front of you now and you and people are watching you. People. You, and I it, actually did that first Iron Man for my work charity. Oh God! As well. Yeah, there so you go. It's just pressure. It's yeah, pressure. It adds it. You look at the professionals, the chiefs, Jim Mann um, and Killian Jornet when he did his Bob Graham record uh, last year, didn't say a word to anyone. Kept it under wraps until a couple of days before, started looking for runners to help him out. Really hush-hush, no media, because it adds that pressure. Because mm-hmm. people expect you, if you go public, people expect you to to finish it, to win it. And this the chances of finishing the Paddy Buckley, not many people do. You know, it's like maybe even less than the Dragon's Back. It is ridiculous, it's like maybe 30%, mm. similar to that. It's the hardest by far of the... Great British rounds. You've got the Bob Graham, the Ramsey round up in Scotland, Bob Graham in the Lake District, this one. You look at the records, the Paddy Buckley record is four hours slower than the Bob Graham. Putting myself out there to do this hardest thing I've ever done, probably going to fail, was massive pressure, you know, and, and it's the very nature of having a camera in your face, they're going to catch you every fall. They're going to catch, and, and, and there's the worry of the catching of the failure then as well. Exactly. Which is very difficult to deal with. But on the other hand, is it extra motivation? I'm struggling. I, I can't really decide if it's good or if it's bad. It definitely adds pressure, which is not, which is the downside. But then, would I have carried on because a, a, a shitstorm hit within with ten hours of running to go? It was the biggest storm I've ever been stupid enough to go out running in. Hit when during the Paddy Buckley it was the re- we had to move the whole. Um, attempt a day backwards because there was a tail end of some tropical storm or something hitting right. the UK. So we were, right, let's move it. Massive panic to try and get runners, and it was brilliant because it's, it's the running community. They're incredible, absolutely. You know, people from um, Erri Harriers, people from Hepog, people from all around North Wales. All these running clubs. They came out of the woodwork last minute. One one guy. From uh, Sam, my friend from London, he he, he runs Ultra X Ultra Marathons. Oh, okay. He came up all the way from London to help out, just, you know, and did the nastiest leg. Got off the train, got straight onto the pass of um, we were doing up from Llanberis in the middle of the night over the cantilever and the, the Glidera. They're just nasty, mm-hmm. horrible running, and it was in the middle of the storm, just when the storm started hitting. So for people that are listening to this and aren't 100% sure or don't 100% know what this is, okay. just yep. explain the amount of ascent you've got, the distance, the peaks, all that sort of stuff, and exactly what you are doing and what you're covering. Okay, so the Paddy Buckley um, is a circular ring of mountains in Snowdonia, and it covers 47 peaks, and you've got to do it. Well, there's no, actually, there's no time limit for the Paddy Buckley. It's still a success. It's the only one of the British rounds that's still a success, even if you don't do it in 24 hours. So the, the um, point going in is just to finish, and you've got 47 mountains, you've got 106 kilometres, that is, if you do not go off, of course, you know, because you're you're navigating the whole way. It's all off off the track, off the roads and stuff. So you're picking your own lines. You're climbing eight thousand seven hundred meters. Again, that is 
if you if you stay on track, you could easily increase that if you go off piece, you know, <laughs> easily. And it happens. It's very rare that you get a leg that you go bang on yeah. on your line every time because your head it turns into a mush. I think twenty hours into a run in horrendous weather, but you've been up all night. You've you've got electrolytes. You've got gels coming out of your ears. You know, and on every other oh, bus. Yes, yes, yes. Unfortunately, was there any point in that? Attempt, uh, successful attempt, I should say. Was yeah, we can say that now. Yeah, <laughs> that you thought. Um, I don't know if I'm going to be able to get this done. I think I may have put a bit too much on myself here. There's a couple of moments that stand out. So overnight, it's just it's twilight. It's, it's a horrible time when the sun comes back up. You've been up all night, and we were on the glidera. I mentioned, you know, there it was all this uh, this five. It breaks. You break it up into five legs. So the first three legs were brilliant, incredible running out with friends over mountains and you can see beautiful vistas, it was magic. Hard going, big wind, you know, into a headwind for a lot of it, going down to the Moilwinion down in Bethesda, amazing. Then the second, the last two legs, all of all the legs take about four hours each. So the last two legs were, were hard, were tough. You know, the, the, the one from Llanberis over to Kapalkirig, so this is the, the fourth leg over the, the Glidera. The storm hit, I was gone, you know, I started sort of switching off slowly. I wasn't, I was obviously tired, but I'd been running, keeping a little bit back. I like to have like a bit of a contingency there. It's just peace of mind, knowing that I've got maybe 10% more effort to give. I've, I've, you know, when you're running within yourself, that's how you need to run this sort of thing, or you've got no chance. If you start going out hell for leather, You'll, you'll finish after 10 hours and you won't, you know, you won't even come close. So I'd been doing that, but the trouble with that, I'd started, it lulled me into a false sense of security. I was ahead of schedule, half an hour ahead of schedule, and then boom, the storm hit. I'd started to drop down. We went wrong a little bit upon the Glidera because in, in the nasty clag and the, the rain, and all of a sudden, within three mountains, we'd gone from half an hour ahead of schedule to quarter an hour behind. In, in three mountains, you know, I, I this by this point I'd done thirty something mountains and I'd kept that schedule, and then all of a sudden, bang! I'm half an hour behind. I'm, I'm caught an hour behind. If I keep going at this, slowing down on this pace, it's going to be gone. Mm-hmm. I, I won't finish in the twenty four hours because, although I said, you know, you don't have to do that. You don't yeah, have yeah. to. Everyone wants to. Everyone wants to beat that twenty four hour mark, and I certainly did. Um, I didn't really voice it that much because you want to keep a few things to yourself, don't you? But I really did. And I saw it disappearing. I remember someone told me how far behind we were and it was like a firework going off in my head. I, it's like I woke up in the middle of the storm looking around like, whoa, well, shit, we're, we're, I'm going I'm to lose this. And right there, I thought, there's a chance that I won't do it. And then I started nailing it. That, that 10% that I was keeping back, I went more. I went, I, I just started that. everything. Yeah, and, and it felt good. It felt incredible. I think, I think as tired as I was right at the end, you know, but it was one of those moments where, um, the, the, you know, when you, I don't know, it's, it's like you, you're, you're, you're yourself, you stop being bothered about anything. It becomes automatic, doesn't it? It's yeah. Like you're just like, whoa. And I'm a bit angry with, with myself, you know, and the mountains and the, and the storm, obviously, but myself, letting myself slip and all this prep, all these people that have been helping me out, I was going to let them down. It would be for nothing. And I just got angry with it and I just ran and it felt really good releasing that. And, you know, when 
and they stopped thinking about the cameras, stopped thinking about the people running with me. If they could keep up, fair enough. If if not, but, but I, you gotta be you you've gotta be that person sometimes to get through shit like that and just go bugger it, I'm going. And on the descent of Trevan, I I, I oh, there was one runner kept kept with me on the descent. I just sort of woke up, nailed it down, and and then got into the feed station, quick turnaround and onto the last leg and on that last leg on the ascent of Penrolawen which is this, like vertical slab 800 metres straight up pretty much you know you, you just scramble for a lot of it and on that I hit my heart rate hit 189 and I, and I stopped caring about trying to keep it in and I was just bombing it across that whole mountain in, in this 60 mile an hour wind in my head in my face as well you know so we were bouncing all over the place we were, I, I, I snapped the pole I, without knowing it, I just sort of, you know, because I was going for it, and then I suddenly feel, wait, something not right. Look down, and half my pole had gone, and I had noticed I'd been running like that, you know. And, uh, and they've caught that on camera, me sort of perplexed, look, trying to figure out. Well, this is supposed to be longer than this. Yeah. <laughs> We're like half a brain as well, so it takes a long time, you know. It's like, what's, nothing, something's wrong here, what's going <laughs> But it did, that felt good. It, feels good to release yourself sometimes mm. and be like be yourself and that, that was good and and then 47 mountains got to the top of Penlithi Thrigorach which is the witch's slippery head which is an apt name because after that point I, I felt oh I've done it I've nailed it that's it and I took 47 mountains there's just a little downhill run to the finish eight kilometers or something and on that little stretch, easy terrain as well, just on grass, I fell three times. They're just ridiculous falls as well. You've been framed. All of them are going to be you've been framed. 250 quid coming in the post check. 750, mate. 750. <laughs> yeah. There's three of them. Oh, the third fall, I thought, because I, I got this old dodgy ankle from rugby, like, I twist it. If I just twist it, it's, it'll go then at a drop of a hat. And I had a bad twist, and I thought, oh, bugger. I was, I was, I was on, the, on the floor, like looking at this fucking massive pile of sheep shit that was right underneath my nose and I thought shit this is gone at this point we're only you know I had about 10 minutes running left to go and it was just horrendous but then dodgy ankles are all kind of alright if you just keep yeah I had to just really be careful from there on and just really crawl back but um, and the clock was ticking I, get, get, I came back within like um, I set for a schedule of 22 hours and a half and made it back in about 23. You must have felt so proud of yourself in that moment. Oh, no, no. Not proud of myself, no. no. It's, it's, it, I think that's a dangerous... I don't know. Not pr- it, it was a really cool feeling, like like a release of, like, you know, all that tension. And But it, it's not an individual thing. I couldn't feel proud if you feel... Because you, no one does that on their own. And there's no chance in hell I'd have done that on my own. I wouldn't have started it, probably. I wouldn't have... I would have attempted it in that storm without the TV company without the, all that penciled in you know that that's one of the good things I was talking about earlier like it forced me to do it because if I'd have gone no I'll do it next month well I probably wouldn't have you know let's delay it a little bit then maybe I wouldn't have got the runners and stuff then what's the feeling then is it a feeling of gratefulness is it a feeling of kind oh, of I, oh, obviously you're hugely grateful to everybody that helped you out you can you, see that yeah yeah, you, you, that's the immediate. I just went around hugging people for you know, and I was an absolute horrible, smelly mess. You think you? Yeah. You in get away from get me! Away. <laughs> I literally got cheap shit dribbling down my chin. Yeah, it was just horrible. <laughs> I might know. Oh yeah. Um, so fair play, they they hugged me back. 
goes to show most of them did got a few handoffs <laughs> get away yeah, he's stink and I have no strength to battle against it <laughs> so um, yeah you are kind of pr- pr- happy happy very happy ha- really happy to finish it because it's been on your head so it well, had been on my mind for a good six months like because you start sacrificing things as soon as you start sacrificing things the more it means to you mm. the more you the more pressure um, and the, the, the big thing with the TV series was there was a theme to each one and it was like uh, one of them was fear. Fear. I went to, went to speak with like um, uh, someone who's rowing the Atlantic solo um, next year, and so, and maybe, I can't remember. It might have been um, oh, it was a downhill mountain biker, one of the best in the world. One of the world, I think he's been world champion. Ems Davis, who's called, and how to deal with it. Not only not the bad connotations of fear, but the good connotations. How to if you're not afraid of something, you don't respect it. You don't respect it you don't put enough effort into training and preparing properly so it's important to have that fear but also not to let it stop you mm. because if you go oh, I'm a, oh I don't want to do this because that's the easiest thing isn't it is to go no I don't want to do this 100% 100% so and so I, after speaking to those guys and I kind of the first, I started the Paddy Buckley that first step over the wooden bridge in um, Kapalkirig you need to talk about the pride thing, the pr- being proud of it. I was proud of that. Getting S- to that point. Starting, attempting it, because it takes guts, kind of, because you're probably going to fail. That's the thing with similar like this, especially because I'm, I'm not an elite runner. I'm not, like, going to be going for a record. Finishing this thing was going to be at the edge of what I could do. So starting it, is, that, that is the important bit. Who cares if you finish that? You know, you know, we were saying about, like, I don't want to go and tell my mates that yeah, I, yeah, yeah. I don't. I don't really care. I, I, I really, I really don't. It's you, I don't want to fail, but how many I want to start attempting it. Yes, I, yeah, I want to attempt anything that I want to attempt it. From Cumberland wrestling, which I had to go, I failed miserably. I beat a fifteen-year-old kid. Did you? Yeah, smashed him. I won seven quid. Yeah. I hope nobody just clips that. 10 seconds. <laughs> I beat a 15-year-old kid, smashed him. <laughs> oh, dear. There's a lot of sound bites to come out of this episode, too. I can tell you oh, that right now. <laughs> yeah, maybe we should have thought about that one. But anyway, come, oh, Cumberland Fairs, they're amazing. They've got fellerins, four little nasty ones. So I'd gone there for this fellerin. Little 4K, brutal, up, down, off path. So I'd uh, landed lactic acid coming out of my ears I was just knackered and then I hear someone in the crowd going Imara the wrestling's about to start and then I go okay what's this and I go over in my Ron Hilly leggings and my running vest still and I wangle my way into the wrestling and yeah I get beaten up for a good hour <laughs> in, in the horse enclosure because that's where it's done so it's horse shit everywhere and, uh, and, but then yeah I got my victory because 15 year old was foolish enough to enter this might be a bit of a strange question but where do you think your head would be at if you hadn't have finished do you think you would have wanted to do it again I don't know I can't answer that mm. because I you finished I, it yeah yeah <laughs> uh, I I probably would have mm. because because it would be unfinished business wouldn't it it would yeah I probably would give it another go but I'd pick some nicer weather <laughs> is there anything but, else in that head anything else you'd like to do anything you've been looking at for a bit and thinking um, fancy that 
I, mm, I don't know. I don't know. I, half a bacon sandwich. Yeah, it does look good. It's been neglected for the past half an hour. It's feeling a bit lonely over there. I'm gonna get into that. I'm gonna I'm gonna smash like that. Like I smashed that 15 year old Cumberland wrestler. And on that note, thank you so much, you. You're a legend. Hey, nice one. And good luck in that um, 50 miler you got oh, coming mate. up. Thank you. Hey, nice one. As always, big thank you to Hugh for coming on and debriefing us on his Paddy Buckley round and all of the other stuff we talked about in that show as well. We will be back in another two weeks with a brand new episode. Until then, if you've missed any up until this point, head back and catch up. And if you get time, five-star rating and a positive review would be brilliant.